Good morning, everybody. This is the Marcus Today members podcast on Tuesday, 28th of November. General advice only, if it's advice at all. I'm on my way up to Sydney this afternoon to see David Kosh. As you've probably seen in the newsletter, we are doing an event. Over 600 of you have registered to get the video. If you haven't already, you can do that in the newsletter. Only Standing room for 100 people. It's sold out in seconds, I'm afraid. But don't worry, you can watch the video. If you are coming along this evening, I look forward to seeing you there. Please stick your hand out, say hello. It's a three-hour event with Q&A. I have a little rule of never presenting when there is alcohol there because you always get some smart ass. But there is alcohol and canapes there taking our lives in our hands. I'll be doing that with James Gerrish from Market Matters and Ben Clark, a fund manager from TMS Capital. And we're just talking about stocks and the markets. It is a bit of a marketing event. The idea is to get leads, but you might find it interesting anyway. That aside, pretty quiet overnight, as you've doubtless seen already. It's an interesting time. We are in this holding pattern Whilst the US is on holiday with their Thanksgiving holiday last week, I think a lot of people are away both last week and this week. Volumes are down. Volatility is down. The daily trading range is narrowing. The VIX volatility index is down to 12 from 20. They call it the fear index. But as I say, it's more a complacency index at this level. But complacency is good. A bull market is always accompanied by a low VIX volatility index. And we have that at the moment. So hopefully we're going to see a bull market, but it's absolutely no doubt that the NASDAQ has got itself a little bit overbought in the short term. There has actually been a very short-term daily sell signal on RSI on the NASDAQ, and I've come very close to locking in profits on our US trades, that is to say the LNAS, which is 2 to 2.7 times geared to the NASDAQ ETF, the HNDQ, which is a NASDAQ ETF, and the FANG ETF, all of which have done very nicely for us in a very short period of time, but it's doubtless run out of momentum. And the question now is whether when Wall Street wakes up, if it ever does wake up this year, if Wall Street wakes up, does it? which way does it head off? If you know technical analysis and the concept of a pennant. A pennant is this idea of volatility reducing, reducing, reducing as the market is indecisive about what to do next and then it breaks one way or the other. It's just a concept. I'm not suggesting that we start drawing pennants on the NASDAQ chart, but the idea is that you get periods where nobody quite knows what to do and then off it goes. And it's all lines on charts and hocus pocus, but you sort of wonder whether we're going to head off again in an upward direction when Wall Street wakes up or sell off. If you saw that seasonal chart of the All Ordinaries Index in my weekend newsletter, you will see that the hope or expectation is that the market suddenly spikes at the end of December, which is what it seasonally usually does. But then again, I'm a big cynic of using past statistics as a predictor of the future. I used to be very critical of analysts who are paid $200,000 in broking houses in order to regurgitate the past and use that as a prediction for the future. It's really rather pathetic. But there you go. The seasonal chatter is that this 
turning point we've seen in the US market is quite material and that it is potentially the bottom for the equity market for a while, particularly in the US, and that when we get going again, we are going to get back into uptrend. Came very close to selling the trades on the US market because it's all just beginning to pause, but that perhaps isn't reason enough to sell. In discussion with my colleagues today, we've decided to wait for one bad day. Trends usually change with a sharp move in one direction or the other. At the moment, we're in uptrend, having a pause. If we're suddenly going to go down, we're going to have one bad day. So maybe we'll wait for that. But I have come very close to locking in a 20% profit on the LNAS trade in the ideas portfolio and sort of 8, 9, 10% gains in the NASDAQ and FANG ETF trades as well. So thinking about it, depending on your risk profile, of course, you do what you like. You might be very happy with that short term profit and might like to come back later. You can always buy if you sell. Plenty of things going on this week. Events which could be a catalyst for the market to choose a direction. One, of course, is the U.S. PCE price index number on Friday, the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. It'll be out, as I say, on Friday night. The expectation is that the headline number drops from 3.4% to 3.0%. The core number is expected to drop from 37 to 3.5%. This could and is most likely to continue the peak rates party. There's just a, an outside chance that it turns the lights on and we all start to look a little bit hungover. So US inflation on Friday. We've got inflation numbers tomorrow. After Michelle Bullock's speech last week, the risk appears to be on the higher, on a higher number than expected, which would set the market back a little bit. I sold our interest rate sensitive trade GPT and SLF last week on the back of Michelle Bullock's speech. The speech which of course suggested that interest rates might just have to stay up for another two years. No rate cuts until this domestic driven inflation problem is squeezed out of the system and that will take time. Those pesky hairdressers and dentists. So inflation numbers from us tomorrow. We also have retail sales numbers today. They're probably out by the time you listen to this. Consensus is plus 0.2%. Some brokers expecting a negative number. We of course had Black Friday. We're waiting for indications on how Black Friday went in the US. The general expectation is that whilst volumes may be temporarily good over Black Friday, the discounting they've had to do in order to generate interest has been excessive, in which case it's unlikely to light up the consumer discretionary sector over there or over here. One of the quality consumer discretionary plays and the bigger consumer discretionary plays in this country, of course, is JB Hi-Fi. Chart of that in my section has been performing nicely this year in general uptrend and has just peaked out a little bit. So not exciting has to be said, consumer discretionary. The other event we got this week is the OPEC meeting on Thursday. Thursday, clearly the Saudis are pushing for production cuts and there is just a chance after a 20% correction in the oil price since September that the Saudis put their foot down, generate a turning point in the oil price and up we go. We've already bought Karoon Energy in the ideas portfolio, a stock that's been cratered by a recent capital raising for an acquisition which is seen as strategically sensible by most of the brokers, but the share price is cratered. So we've bought that and that will do as a trade on a possible OPEC meeting outcome. But you might look at trading an oil stock over the OPEC meeting. What I would say about that, though, is if they really are going 
to impose production cuts, get the African countries in line and turn the oil price. You don't have to be there in anticipation of that. If it does happen, we are looking for a new trend, not a good day in the oil price. So you could probably let the OPEC meeting go through to the keeper, see whether he catches it or not, and whether there is a material change in OPEC rhetoric and the oil price trend, and then get involved. So you might wait until after the OPEC meeting before you start bothering to buy an oil trade. There's no need to do it ahead of time. A lot safer to wait. Lots of strategists talking about the Santa Claus rally. So I'm just holding everything at the moment in the strategy portfolio. Still reasonably happy to be back in the market. Still reasonably happy that we've seen the material pivot point and with 60% in the US, it's more about the US market than our market. We're never going to do ourselves a major damage in the ASX 200 ETF. I'm beginning to think I should possibly get rid of this REIT ETF, this Australian REIT ETF, SLF, in the strategy portfolio. If the inflation number this week is high and Michelle Bullock's hawkishness pervades the interest rate sensitive sectors like REITs, in which case we didn't really catch much of the upside in the SLF rebound and might be struggling if Australia is going to worry about inflation for the next two years. We've got Chinese PMI numbers this week as well. They're just hovering around 50, nothing exciting, very unlikely to set the resources sector off. I see some strategists enthusiastically talking about a Chinese stimulus package or the bazooka being loaded as the Chinese worry about their economic trend. We have been waiting for this for some period of time, it's got to be said. Meanwhile, the resources sector having rallied recently and the iron ore price has been doing very nicely, sort of topping out again. I'm beginning to wonder whether we should have bought back into the BHP one stock portfolio or not. That also appears to be tiring, still holding for the moment. And then there's the Argentinian stock market. Have you seen a 50, have you seen the 50% rise in the Argentinian stock market on the back of their new anarcho-capitalist president? I'm not going to try and pronounce his name, promising radical changes, including dollarizing the the Argentinian peso. In other words, effectively putting the FOMC in charge of policy in Argentina. Someone's got to get in charge over there, and maybe this is the right thing. But their stock market ripping up, and one of the reforms he has thought likely to impose is rolling back the previous government's talk about taking control of lithium assets. Allchem, aka Argosy Minerals, AGY, and Lake resources LKE all have projects in Argentina. They have all had significant share price falls. I don't think it's because of the Argentinian government chatter that they've had significant falls. The whole lithium sector is still going backwards. In fact, Lake Resources has been the worst performing stock in the All Ordinaries this year. So I'm not up for a Argentinian lithium trade myself. The lithium backdrop is still horrible. The sector is a graveyard. Have a look at the chart of the lithium carbonate price in my section. Have a look at the all chem chart, the lake resources chart, the Argosy minerals chart, all ugly. Lithium stocks down in the overseas markets overnight as well. Albemarle down another 6.3%. This is a bloodbath. As I said in the weekend newsletter, one of the post-it notes which would have saved you a fortune this year if it had been stuck on your screen on January the 1st would have been avoid lithium stocks this year. So even with a bit of Argentinian news, it's really not enough. 
to get stuck into lithium stocks. We are swimming against the tide. Other quick things this morning. Market doing okay, up 24. Futures this morning were suggesting a six-point rise. At this point, we're up 3.5% in November. Very good. Aussie dollar over 66 Hit 66.13. That's a good sign for us. It suggests a mild economic optimism and also it suggests the US dollar going down, in which case the currency markets are believing that rates rates have peaked in the US. Not much to report on the stories front. Origin Energy sees an LNG delay. Collins Foods up 7% on results. All good. Ramsey Healthcare up 1.1% has survived a quasi-profits warning saying growth in earnings will be waited to the second half and there we go i'm off up to sydney might see you there say hello if you're there otherwise back tomorrow